Holly G with the Golf Insiders. She's an author. She is the longtime host of her own golf talk show on iconic WFAN in the Big Apple, New York City. And she's back in New York for the summer. Always wonderful to have Anne Liguori on the Golf Insiders. Hi, Anne. Hey, Holly G. Good to be with you again. So fill our listeners in who are mostly in Florida right now. How are things in New York City, Long Island? You've been back there a few weeks now. How, how is golf and how are things opening up? Well, Long Island, a lot different than New York City. <laughs> um, Long Island, well, as far as golf goes. So, you know, I got back here about oh, what, a couple weeks ago and, and we're, you know, Florida is so much further ahead as far as openings of everything. Um, you know, when I, I think I told you last time I was on, when I was still at um, the Legacy Club of Alpha Lake down in Orlando, it never closed. And they took the rakes off the, the golf courses, you know, like weeks ago. And, you know, one person per card and, and doing all the things that, that uh, now all these other courses have been doing, um, you know, to prevent the spread of the virus. And in New York, um, you know, people are playing golf. There's all the golf courses are packed. So the golf courses have been open for a long time now, but the the, the, the clubhouses haven't. So people are making, tea, you know, online tea times. They are it's still one person to a golf cart if they have golf carts. A lot of um, courses out here is walking only. And a lot of the private courses on, on the East End of Long Island, to my knowledge, are not allowing anybody out there except for members. So no guests. That's what I'm hearing. So, you know, we're a little, I'd say a lot behind Florida as far as openings go, stores, restaurants, et cetera. Nothing's open here yet. But people are playing golf. So in an ironic twist in this really challenging time, more and more people, Holly, are taking to golf because of the social distancing, because they can do it with their family. And I think we're seeing a resurgence of um, people playing golf, which is a good thing for golf, obviously. Absolutely. And speaking of uh, exciting news, PGA Tour will be back live next week. The Colonial in Texas seems like forever and we were at the players and it got canceled in the middle of march and here we are three months later yeah you know i guess people are just starving for live television as you saw from the match um you know champions for charity that that match um, was incredible and the ratings were the best ever for a golf telecast on on cable so um if that's an indication people obviously in golf really can't wait to see you know some live golf so all the top players most of the top players have committed to play uh rory's going to be there john rom's going to be there justin thomas is going to be there um you know patrick reed is going to be there uh tiger we haven't really heard from tiger when he's going to you know decide to come back and play but it'll be interesting, you know, they've already, all these players, Holly, have already taken their home coronavirus tests that they had to take before even getting on a plane. 
Um, for, they probably haven't even gotten on a plane yet to get to Fort Worth, but when they do arrive, they're going to have to go to a designated hotel. They're going to have to take another couple of tests, and uh, local labs are going to turn the results around within a couple hours instead of, I guess, a couple of days, which is the normal. And so, you know, the PJ Tour has really laid out, you know, this grand plan to protect the players and volunteers and anybody who will be on the premises. And remember, no families are allowed to be there. They're, they're, they're really recommending that the players stay in designated hotels, although they did say they could stay in RVs and, and whatnot. And they're also recommending that they don't go out in public to, to eat. They really, uh, they're providing meals at the Colonial for them to take home. So back to their hotels. So they're trying to do everything they can to to make this tournament go smoothly. And of course, if uh, somebody does test positive for Corona, they they cannot obviously they're out of the event and they have to quarantine for two weeks. So I think what's interesting is you have these a lot of international players who just have are not buying into you know, all this, this testing yet and coming over here because basically what they have to do is come over here for two weeks in quarantine before they even play in a tournament. So you have guys like Adam Scott, obviously, in Australia, who'd have to make the trip over, stay two weeks, and then if he wants to go back to Australia, perhaps quarantine over there for another two weeks. So you have Lee Westwood saying the same thing, that it just doesn't sound like something he, he's committing to do right now. So it's interesting, you know, to see if any or how many international players are going to start come over and play these first couple events. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, not buying in, uh, seems like a lot of the players now are not in favor of having the Ryder Cup without fans, including U.S. Captain Steve Stricker, who said he thought it would be a yawner of an event. <laughs> Gotta love quote. Steve. Exactly. Well, you know what? Yeah, Rory came out against it a while ago. Um, Brooks Kapka came out against it. And, I mean, you know, we've covered a lot of Ryder Cups. It's really the fans and the spectators who make that electrifying um, environment and atmosphere. And it's hard to it, – it, you can imagine – say, you know, a couple of these PJ Tour events without spectators, if that's obviously what we have to do to get started. But to put on a Ryder Cup without spectators, I don't see it happening. Um, you know, but will people be interested in traveling to the Ryder Cup? All, you know, the, uh, the, the European players coming over. Will they want to get on a plane? Will their families want to get on a plane? Will spectators from the UK and parts of Europe, well, they want to get on a plane and come over. I mean, we're talking, what, the third week of September. So it, it really just depends on, um, you know, what the PGA of America decides to do and, and if the players are comfortable with it. If they're not in, if Rory is saying that it's a bad idea, if, if the captain of the U.S. team is saying it's a bad idea, if all if these players and, and guys running the event are saying it's a bad idea, then that's an uphill battle to overcome. So it's unfortunate, though. I do think one of the reasons why the PGA of America is still considering it is because it's a huge, if they have spectators, obviously, 
Um, and just from the TV money, it's a huge revenue for the European tour who counts on that money from Ryder Cup for a big part of their, their revenue. So um, I do feel that it would really hurt the European tour if they do not do uh, a Ryder Cup this year. But, you know, we'll see. It's still up in the air. I mean, it's, I think even the PGA of uh, the championship, I'd like to know if spectators are going to be there in August in California. I mean, there's just so much uncertainty that I don't think anybody knows yet. Well, uh, the Ryder Cup is going to play, be played at Whistling Straits. Stricker, as we know, is a Wisconsin native. So I'm sure he's been looking forward to this, you know, uh, perfect uh perfect venue in terms of leading his team in sort of front of his home home crowd but uh you know it seems pretty clear that um i don't know they've got i guess what two weeks they're going to make a decision by the end of june i i just don't see it happening yeah it'd be too bad but um if they decide to scratch it um then, you know, you just have to go with the flow. They'd reschedule it for next year, and then they'd have to reschedule the President's Cup, which they've done before. So, um, you know, it's just a weird year, very uh, challenging year, and, and people have to be flexible and, and just go with the flow, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned that you had a new project in the works, and um, before we uh, – started our conversation today you mentioned that you had a special opportunity to sit down and spend some time with gary player can you share about that certainly one oh. of our you know premier leaders in in the golf world yeah what a global ambassador for golf and you know i had the opportunity he is um staying with his daughter he has what six children and 22 grandchildren <laughs> but one of his daughters uh lives uh, outside of Philadelphia. So I was able to drive down from Long Island and spent literally the whole day just talking with uh, Gary Player. He's 84 years young. He's just the most impressive individual. He's, um, you know, he's all about love, which in a time, you know, like this and any time, it's such a powerful message. Love one another, support each other. It doesn't matter you know, what color you are, what, uh, you know, religion you are, um, you know, just let's all unite and love each other. And that's really a big message. Um, you know, he's from South Africa, and he spent a lot of time trying to break apart in South Africa. He brought over um, Charlie Sifford and Lee Outer. He had to basically go to the government and plead with the government to allow them to bring over these black players uh, years ago. And um, because he grew up, it, you know, with apartheid uh, and, and came over here, a lot of people perceived him to, um, you know, be in favor of that movement, which he never was. And he was harassed for years. He was telling me stories about being at tournaments and he'd be about to, you know, try to make a putt to win a title and you know people would throw things at him and say things at him and that happened for for a while um, because they perceived him to be um, you know a, a part of the whole apartheid movement which which he wasn't you know he's very worldly he's traveled all over the world I mean he grew up very poor 
and uh, he wasn't he did not have a happy childhood and full that his father did introduce him to golf and so he could you know he he's just when you look at somebody like Gary Player he he was really started out as an underdog he came from nothing he has he's very he's short and he's not he's not a big guy at all but I mean look you know what he's done in, in golf he's won nine major titles he's won nine senior major titles he he's won 165 tournaments around the world I think it's in six, six different continents over seven decades so I mean the guy is just incredible and and you know we really we talked about golf in this interview but it was really more about you know a lot that's going on as far as the racial unrest and and we talked about you know what people he thinks need to do you know for a happy and healthier life and I'll give you those four things he said you know, obviously, he's a big um, fitness guru, right? He said you have to take care of your body. You really have to reg- exercise regularly. It's good for your you physically, and it's good for your mind. And, you know, cut down on obesity. You have to be smart about your food choices and learn about nutrition and, and foods and, you know, things that you should stay away from, which they don't really teach a lot in school, right? I mean, I have a foundation, and we – um, different programs that, that teach young people about good nutrition because when you go to these public schools you, you're not really learning about you know okay what should I buy at the grocery store that's going to be good for me and what foods should I stay away from and his message has been all about that you know just eating properly and, and really you know learning more about nutrition so you know you know what you should be eating and what you should be staying away from exercising regularly when I was there one of the things we did is we he, he did, did he show on, you did he show you his sit-ups yeah we did sit-ups i did sit-ups with him and i did push-ups with him right on the driveway i love and it the camera crew and the camera crew got that but then the other thing he said is laugh laugh every day you know laughing and and having a good sense of humor really really helps your psyche and i agree with him it's always good to laugh and then you know the top thing is just to have love in your heart and be compassionate and if our world, you know, loved each other and, and if we showed more of that compassion and love, we wouldn't have, you know, half the problems we have uh, now. So, you know, his messages are just uh, universal. And, you know, he's just, just trying to get those messages out there as much as he can. He's just tireless for his age at 84. So you just have to give him credit for going strong and for keeping himself as fit and healthy as he can be and and for just working tirelessly to spread that kind of message of love around the world well couldn't agree more couldn't uh, be a more uh, important message right now as uh, you know we're navigating these uh, you know, difficult times between the COVID and of course uh, the current racial unrest and um, you know, golf uh, has become a global game, and he has certainly been one of the key influencers and instruments to opening up this game to the rest of the world. So, and and such a role model. Is he still doing the thousand sit-ups a day? Yes, he is. He's still doing the sit-ups. His um, 
daughter has a fitness room in the house. So he's been lucky. He's been able to, you know, work out right there in the fitness room. And he told me for the longest time he hadn't, you know, obviously hadn't played golf because golf courses in that part of Pennsylvania apparently were, were shut down for a long time. They just opened up. So he was so excited that his neighbor had one of those simulators in the garage where he could just hit balls. He said it's been the longest time that he went, I think he said months, it was in his whole life, it was the longest time he went without playing golf. Remarkable. So, um, yeah, so he, but then after our interview, he was, he got, had to put his golf shoes on and he was going out to play with his neighbor. So, you know, the guy is just um, incredible and, um, and you're right, it's been, you know, these times is just, our country, God. I don't know what to say. There's just so much, um, you know, anger and hate going on. And I think, you know, the answer, it really boils down to love. You just, you know, we have to be tolerant of each other. We have to be compassionate and patient with each other. And, and if we could, could kind of all feel like Gary Player feels and talk, you know, talk like Gary Player talks, I think we'd be a lot better off. So, um, uh, you love, you know, golf has a lot of great personalities and, you know, the sport, obviously, especially in the last 10 years is really more inclusive and, um, you know, I say we, because, you know, you and I were part of this whole golf industry where, you know, to me, uh, you know, we want to grow golf and golf should set the example. Right, we want everyone to play this sport. Right, no matter what color you are, no matter what gender you are, we want everybody to play it and enjoy it. So, um, you know, we still have a ways to go. Um, you know, there are still private clubs out there that won't let a, a woman join, or you know, discriminate against a black person. And you, you know, that's not right. And we need to change that. Right. We need to change that mentality in, in our sport. and uh, But we are taking us, you know, you know, when you look at how far we've come, um, you know, the golf world has come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. Well, and how do our listeners tune in and listen to your show on Sunday? All right, so Talking Golf is on WFAN from 7 to 8 Eastern, so they can go to WFAN.com. And then my other show, Sports Interview, is on WPPB.org. It's a public radio station on Long Island that's turned into a podcast. So you can always just go to my website and everything. All my shows are archived at AnnLaGory.com. So, um, or just follow me on social media and I normally tweet out, you know, links to the podcast, and I had a really fun interview last week with Alex Lifeson of Rush. He is, uh, I don't know if you're a Rush fan, Holly, but he, he is, you know, the, the, one of the most famous guitarists in the world and co-founder of the band Rush, and he's a passionate golfer. So it got a lot of press. Um, he said a lot of things on the show that were very heartfelt and very honest, and Rush fans just are, like, could not believe it because they heard, you know, Alex just um, open up about, you know, one of the greatest drummers in the, who passed away, his their own drummer from Rush, Neil Peart, passed away in January from cancer. And, and uh, Alex opened up about that and said, 
that he can't doesn't even have the heart to play guitar right now because he's so distressed over um, Neil's death that he just doesn't have the motivation right now. And you know, I asked him if he thought that he and, and Getty Lee would ever get back on stage and and play again, and he just didn't think that they were motivated to do that right now. So um, it's just a really interesting interview of what he brings from guitar and from the music world to his golf game. And, um, you know, he lives in Canada. He plays a lot of golf up there. And I think people would enjoy it. So they can go to annelagori.com, and all my shows are archived on my website. All right. And thank you so much. We always appreciate you spending some time with the Golf Insiders. Stay well, my friend. My pleasure.